Welcome to the Biology of Trauma podcast, the show that provides professionals with the knowledge and tools for effective science-based solutions for the trauma healing journey. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and I've done the hard work so you can stop your endless searching, have a roadmap for your own work, and be able to help others more powerfully. episode of the Biology of Trauma podcast. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and in this episode, we continue our series on integrating somatic and parts work. This is part two of our series, and in this episode, we ask the question, what are the specific mind-body dialogue questions that help us connect to a part of us associated with a body sensation? To help us answer this question, I have invited three very special people to me to share their specific mind-body dialogue questions that have been most helpful for them to connect to parts of themselves as they notice body sensations. Kimberly, Daniela, and Beth are 21-day journey mentors, meaning they not only took the 21-day journey themselves, but have since gone through the mentor training program to now help others through a 21-day journey by leading a breakout session. Mentor Daniela is a primary Spanish speaker, well-known for her warmth, and yet many would be surprised by her inner perfectionism that has driven her to paralysis of analysis for so much of her life. Mentor Beth was one of the very first people to take the 21-day journey when I first created it and was in the very first group of mentors. She is challenged by the realities of her family, her relationship with her daughter, mom, and managing a long-distance marriage. Mentor Kimberly is an engineer by career, an adoptive mom, and yet has become a pivotal lead for me in the Intro to All Parts of Me courses and Somatic Parts workshops. These are ordinary people, just like you, and yet very extraordinary people inside, also just like you. There are two sections for this podcast episode. In this first section, I share on how to do a mind-body dialogue with parts. And in section two, I invite the three mentors to share. First, Kimberly, on the types of questions framed in the negative... Daniela, the perfectionism and paralysis analysis, and then Beth on no questions, but just being. I'm so excited for this episode and for sharing what has become so helpful to me and those in my community and mentors for navigating life and changing our relationship to ourselves. Make sure you catch part one, which was on how to connect with a part behind a body sensation, since that is an important foundation to be able to have a mind-body dialogue with our parts. But let's jump into section one, and then I will invite the mentors into the conversation in section two. We have the written communication that we can do with our parts, which given the number of people that I lead through the All Parts of Me course, I still see that as a helpful place to start because starting with the mind-body dialogue, it just, you're not, you're not even sure which part you're talking to yet. And you don't even know that the blending of parts can happen where all of a sudden you have two parts talking to each other rather than the true self talking with a part. So for me, that's, that's a very challenging place to start. Yes. Just kind of as, as Anja has expressed, and it's been my experience as well. You eventually get to the place where your communication with your parts is just in constant flow. And there's a mind body dialogue that can even kind of happen all day long throughout the day. And you don't have to stop and write it out, but as a place to start that writing is so helpful and being able to, of course, know how to do that since we use the the two different hands for that. 
But moving into the mind-body dialogue, let's look at some of the questions that we can use in a mind-body dialogue that are really helpful. And as I go into connecting with a part through a body sensation, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm asking questions. And of course, all the questions that I'm asking are coming from a place of curiosity. If I ask any other type of question, I'm going to either get silence or I'm going to get the backlash. And it kind of like, a, oh, I'll show you how I think about that kind of question. So all the questions just need to come from a place of curiosity where I really am just wanting to get to know you, right? I just want to understand, just want to get to know you. I'm not here to change you. I'm just here to get to know you. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> right? I, that's one of the places we start with in the 21 day journey with our, just connecting with our body. I'm here just to get to know you. I'm not here to change you. Now, if change happens in the process, hey, great. But that's that's not my intention going into this relationship. It's not my intention going into this conversation. And so the curiosity questions are ones where we can start with, my goodness, like as we connect with a sensation, a curiosity question can even just be, what can I do to support you right now? For me, that's a great place to start because it sets the tone for the conversation. They know that I'm, I'm here to support them. And what I have found is that as I then bring in support, whatever that support is, it, is it feet support? Is it back support, neck support, stomach support, eye support, whatever the support is that they ask for in that moment, then they are feeling more resourced to be able to have a conversation. So for me, that's been a great place to start with a mind-body dialogue, which is no different it's no different than the somatic work that we're doing. Isn't that interesting? When we are just doing somatic work, right? And we're not doing parts work. We're just doing somatic work. Isn't that what we do? We notice a body sensation. It feels uncomfortable. And so we're, we're just seeing what we can do to support that body sensation. So we do the same thing when we're connecting with the part behind that body sensation starting with how can I support you right now? And then we can go into some other mind-body dialogue questions, curiosity questions. But oftentimes it's been my experience that when I provide that support, that part is now so much more open to talking to me. It opens those doors of communication. Sometimes even just with that, it'll start talking and I don't even need to ask any more questions. And it just starts giving me all this information about I'm feeling afraid about this. This is what's this is what has me activated or this is the story behind this trigger. It gives me so much information. But if I'm not getting that, then I can ask those questions. Is there a story behind this sensation? Is is there a story behind this specific trigger? What is the story? Is there a story behind it? That can be a curiosity question that's part of the mind-body dialogue. Then there can just be the mind-body dialogue questions of what would you like to say to the brain? And then it can go the opposite direction. Brain, what would you have to say to this part? And those are great ways to gain understanding for what it's trying to say. They each get their time to speak. Neither one of them is wrong, though they will have very different perspectives. Just be prepared for that. But neither one of them is wrong. 
And so it's just this opportunity to understand where it's coming from and be able to understand the different competing voices in our head of, ah, I should be doing this for an example, and yet I'm not doing this. And so there's this internal struggle that that develops and being able to understand that because what you're going to hear from your mind is those words of, yeah, like this, this part is a problem. It's not doing its job. It's whatever it is. Right. And then being able to hear the perspective from the part of this is what's going on. This is what I would want you to understand about what I'm doing or how I'm responding in this moment. So those are good questions to have of just the literally like the, what would what would you, the brain to the brain, like, what would you want to say to this sensation or to this part and to the part and sensation, what would you want to say to the brain and see what answers come up. And then from there, that might be a good time to then speak to the part and from its perspective, from what it shared of its perspective of this feels too hard. This feels too big. I'm not getting the support that I need. I'm down here all alone. Whatever it is that comes up, then maybe that could be at the time that you bring in a question around, is there a story behind that? Because every part has a story of origin and it continues to have its lesson learned from that story of origin. And that becomes a pattern throughout the rest of our life. And so if it's, if it's a story of having to take care of your mother, for me, it was having to take, having to be the emotional buffer for my father. So then as we go through life, there are times that that part gets triggered because it feels like, oh, this situation feels like it could be related. But if we don't know that, if we don't ask, is there a story behind this? We may not ever know the pattern that continues to show up. And so knowing the story of origin and then my goodness, how that opens up for us to be able to see all the times that that story has continued to pop up in our life. And we've continued to respond and react to that story of origin, but in so many other places in our life. And we can get there through just connecting to the body sensation. That's what's cool. And as the, as the part shares its story of origin, again, usually what happens is that if it's able to, to do that in a safe space that you are creating for it, that safe space of curiosity and no judgment, there usually will be some form of discharge that happens as it's able to finally, for the first time, share with you its story of origin. Where did this start? And then the, I mean, the possibilities are, are open for how you can work with that part moving forward because you know its story of origin. And when it pops up next time, you're like, ah, I know, I know your story. I know what you're afraid of. I know what triggers you because we've had this conversation before and you can immediately go into supporting that part rather than having to go through all of this mind body dialogue to even just understand what's wrong. So these mind body questions that again, we're, we're doing them as we are tracking our body sensations. So that when it, when we are able to get to its story of origin and we feel that release in our body and we feel that discharge and we get that either deep breath or that yawn or whatever it is for you, right? You know, your body, so you know, what 
those signals are that ah, like you've, you've landed on something that's true. Then that opens up so much for our ability to understand our parts through tracking our body sensations. So again, I'm going to ask a few of you to share on that piece and for you, what have been, what have been some great curiosity, mind, body questions that have been really helpful for you to connect with the body, connect with the part behind a body sensation to have that dialogue. So Kimberly, for you, what have been some good, helpful, I should say not good. What have been some helpful mind body questions that you've used to connect with parts behind body sensations? I think of kind of questions around safety. I don't know, like, why wouldn't it be safe to speak or share or be more open and, and really both for body and for mind? Because I think they both have a role in that of feeling like whether this is safe enough or even safe enough to be present. And then I think of even around the bracing, right? Like, is it safe enough to not brace? Yeah. That's what comes to mind for me. I love those questions. And those are ones that I use a lot as well of why might it not be safe when I'm connecting with a part that's showing up in, in my heart, for example, and there might be this sense of my heart being guarded and it not wanting to open up. Then I get to ask that question as I connect with that sensation, as I do heart support, as I do the heart support somatic exercise, then I connect with that part and I ask it, why might it not be safe to open up? And that's another great door to discovering its perspective, its truth, and its story of origin. Because it will tell you why it is not safe to open up. And then, as you say, it's also important to engage sometimes the mind in that process and be able to just have that, uh, those questions for both the mind and the body, a specific body part, a specific body sensation to see, because they will have very different answers, right? They will have different answers just as each part will have a different answer because they each have a different story of origin. They each have a different perspective. They each have a different, I mean, I, I don't want to use the word personality because then we start to open up to like, is parts work, you know, multiple personalities? No, it's not. But, but each part has its own its own fears, its own strengths, its own weaknesses. And so this is how we get to know that is by asking these questions specifically around safety. And of course, when you just think of asking questions around safety, you could, you could, I mean, you can frame these questions, however, however you want, right? Some people might say, well, why can't you just ask it? Like, why don't you feel safe? I haven't found that phrasing of the question helpful. It just for those parts, again, like for those parts that I'm working around safety, for the most part, they are all young parts. They're all insecure parts. And so any form of any form of, well, what they perceive as intimidation or harshness, like they shut down, that, that just was their trigger. And they're like, for that reason, right there, <laughs> that's my reason why it's not safe. And, and they, and they go silent. 
And so I've, I've had to learn how to so ask it in a, in a gentle and indirect way. It, it's hard for me to be very direct with them because again, that, that scares them for the, for the most part, but then that's part of their story of origin as well for me. And so how you phrase the questions around safety is actually what makes it safe or not safe for them to answer. And so even being able to use your body sensations, tracking your body sensations for you to know, is that the right way that my part wants me to phrase the question? Or does it prefer this way of phrasing the question? Because it's still the same question. It's all the same question, but it's just, how am I phrasing it? And so this, I mean, this is literally how gentle and indirect, if you want to call it indirect, that I need to ask the question, why, why might, I'm not even saying that it is, I'm saying it might be, (laughs) that's how gentle it needs to be for this part. Why might it not be safe? And it does respond better to the not being safe part rather than, well, what do you need to be safe? It doesn't know how to answer that question, has no idea how to answer that question. If it knew, it probably would have solved its own problem a long time ago. It doesn't know. That's why it's confused. That's why it's uh, falling apart in a mess because it doesn't know. And so that would, that's how I've come to phrase these questions around safety is why might it not be safe to talk to this person? you're going to get answers for that one, right? Why might it not be safe to have that hard conversation? Why might it not be safe to be able to let go of this toxic habit, this toxic coping mechanism, this toxic relationship, this toxic self-talk? Why might it not be safe to just let that go? Why might it not? That's how I have come to phrase the questions that have been so helpful as a way to safely, safely open up that communication. Daniela, how have you learned to phrase questions? What phrasing, what phrasing of the questions has been helpful for your parts as you work with a part behind a body sensation? Well, it depends. Hi, everyone. It depends on the day and many things, but in general, I think is what is missing. It's something more like what is, um, because I do it in Spanish usually, so I'm translating, that's why I'm struggling. You know, like what is missing? What what do you need? You know, what is missing? Uh, What can I do for you to to feel better? Usually I use the word better, you know, not safe. I don't know if it would be better, better to use the word safe. I, or maybe I just leave it more open, you know, whether that's safer or, more calm I mean well they are similar right feeling safe is feeling calm but uh, you know what can I do to help you feel better is in short most of the times I really love that because again what I what I hear you saying is that you're not putting this expectation that you're going to feel safe and by safe meaning perfectly safe 100% safe there's almost like this idea of perfectionism around saying that this is the expectation that you feel all the way this. So you coming along and just saying better, right? Just from where we are right now, let's just work on feeling better rather than making the expectation that we're going to be 100% calm 
100% safe. That feels like for, for my parts, that feels like an unattainable goal in that moment. So for you to be able to come along and just say, let's just work on feeling better, right? Safer, calmer. As, as always, Dr. Amy, you nailed it because now I feel proud even of myself because I don't know if you remember, but I I am one of those many people that tend to perfectionism and analysis paralysis and all that. So I hadn't realized that, you know, that by the way I'm wording this, that, you know, what you just explained so clearly, but then I, I see also that as progress. And, and also it uh, makes me think that probably at some level subconsciously or not I don't know is partly one of the things that you've said many times and that I loved since the first time I heard it the importance and I repeat it in all the sessions I lead and all of that you know the importance of the baby steps since I acknowledged and accepted and came to adore that then exactly better it's fantastic yeah exactly you know it's enough and it's great and feels good and my parts love it so Thank you for pointing all of this out that I was doing it, but I didn't, uh, you know, see it in with those words or with this frame. So thanks. Yeah. I mean, that's something to celebrate, right? And I, and I love that we get to celebrate that with you is that there has been this movement for you uh, away from the perfectionism and that analysis paralysis to just something more, just better and bringing that into your parts work and into your somatic work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great job. Beth, I know that for you, mm-hmm. you've been able to do some great parts dialogue, parts work. And so we'll finish with you today. How has it been for you overall with connecting with a part behind a body sensation and then being able to move into questions and what questions have been helpful for you as you connect with that part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no secret. I'm a huge parts aficionado as well. Just cannot get enough. It's just this abundant source of uh, goodness for me. What comes up now? Um, I think for me and my system, it's funny, as we were talking, I was thinking about it. I ask for whatever reason in my system um, is very responsive when I ask it to show me. So sometimes it's not even words. It's a lot of like, just show me. So in the right context, First of all, I, you know, before I even get to questions, I spend a lot of time on what you're talking about in terms of just being present and gentle, just like, we don't even have to do anymore. I'll just sit here. You know, there's a lot of that. Like I'd say kind of 50, 60% of my sort of little touch bases are, well, I'm here, Uh, you know, I'm listening, no agenda. It's really, really important for my system that there's no agenda and anything, even like a little tiny little expectation can put, you know, scatter, we can go silent. So for me, it's really, really spending that time to sort of like, you know, I'm open, I'm here, if you want, if you want any understanding, if you want any. So um, there's a lot of those questions, like if you want it, it's available, I'm, I'm here. And then moving into, um, can you show me like what the worst part of that is, or show me the unsafe part, or you know, um, show me what, you know, is, is scary about that, you know, because for some reason, I wasn't even aware of it until we had this dialogue that there's a lot of showing and telling happening for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm getting better, but I'm loving this, this whole thing today, because it's about this attunement piece and just 
paying more attention to when I'm actually landing on the right thing or not the right, but the, the attuned thing versus, you know, a slightly, a good version, but like, you know, a version that's kind of in the neighborhood, but not like the thing. So I really appreciate the conversation today about this. And uh, yeah, that's what sort of works for me as I am um, working through the body and moving towards the, the mind-body dialogue. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. Show and tell. And I love how you bring up the fact that many times when we start connecting with a part, it's so helpful not to have an agenda. So helpful to just be present and attune for whatever it is that they want. Because maybe that day they don't want a deep conversation. They don't want to go into their story. They they don't want that. They don't want to be alone, but they don't want that either. And that's part of the attunement that we get to, to develop over time is just like any relationship, right? Like you don't have a deep conversation every time that you see that friend or you're with your partner. Like sometimes it's just being together. And, and that is the relationship is that there's all these different kinds of moments that are attuned. Each one of them though is attuned. That's the thread that weaves it all together. and bringing that into our parts work and starting with attunement so that I even know what is it that you want today? What is it that you want right now? Do you just want me to be here with you? Or do you, do you want, do you want to really dive into this? But if we're doing whatever we're doing, whatever we're doing, if we are doing it in a misattuned way, even like you say, if we are even just slightly off, it still feels like a misattunement. And so the importance of practicing becoming more attuned for me, that took a lot of time. It took a lot of practice. It doesn't just happen naturally. It takes practice. It takes time and, and being able to being willing to invest the time to have that kind of attuned relationship with our parts is what really changes things moving forward for us. It creates a completely different way of living life. It creates the, the possibility of like, we really can do anything because now we have this level of attuned relationship with our parts. And that level of attunement for me only happens as I connect with a part through a body sensation, not just trying to connect with a part through my mind that stays as something cerebral. It doesn't actually drop into a level of attunement where there doesn't even need to be words. We're just resonating. We're attuned. When I do things in my brain, because it is cerebral, it needs words. And sometimes words get in the way. And so the level of attunement that we want to have with our parts comes from our ability to integrate somatic and parts work so that I'm using my body sensations to connect and attune to the part behind that body sensation. And just like when we do our somatic exercise and we have a, a, a sensation come up, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, but just the ability now to just be with it, to sit with it and not need to silence it, not need to make it go away just being able to be with it. And then from that, 
develops the rest of the relationship, develops the communication and the dialogue and the safety that comes with being able to just be with it at times with no agenda. But how can you do that if you're just using your mind? Like I don't actually know how my mind could just be with something because my mind needs something to think about. It needs something to analyze. It needs, it needs something to do. And so again, when I'm trying to do parts work in my brain, in my head, I'm not able to do that just being present with no agenda piece, which is, which is really important. And I do consider it one of the foundations for this somatic parts work. No agenda, the foundations for this somatic parts work. This brings us to a wrap for this episode. Today, we looked at after we have connected with a part of us through a body sensation, how do we actually communicate with that part? It is through a mind-body dialogue and the questions we can ask, like, why would it not be safe? And staying out of the perfectionism and just asking, how can I help you feel safer, better? And then sometimes having no agenda and no questions, but just being. What resonated with you from this episode? I would love to hear about it. And on the webpage for this episode, you can drop your comments. In the show notes, I've included links to the two journeys I share in this episode, the 21-day journey and the intro to all parts of me. These are the foundational module for the professional certificate training program in the biology of trauma. I am your host, Dr. Amy. Thank you for joining me on this episode and until the next one. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey, and you won't want to miss an episode. Give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague. If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, this is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love. Oh,